Welcome to Our Navy Life. I'm your host, Ali Maruga. Today's episode will dive into the journey of Michelle Norman as she navigated the Exceptional Family Member Program and through her experiences launched Partners in Promise, a nonprofit organization that elevates military family member stories by educating parents and advising military service organizations, the Department of Defense, and public officials on special education. A Texas native, Michelle is a Navy spouse of over 27 years and a mother of a 19-year-old daughter with cerebral palsy and 21 other disabilities. After years of successfully advocating and winning multiple legal cases to ensure her daughter receives the minimum education required by law, she was contacted by military families across the country dealing with similar problems in public schools. Michelle is also the Executive Director of Partners in Promise, and her story is an incredible one that we are excited to share with you. So let's not wait any longer, and let's get to it. Your journey as a Navy family can be exciting and fulfilling. It can also be confusing and stressful. For all your challenges and triumphs, from how to thrive during deployments to navigating TRICARE, Naval Services Family Line has been your go-to resource since 1965. If you're living the Navy life, this podcast is for you. Join us as we discuss ways to navigate this Navy life together and define what it means to be a modern Navy family. Each episode will explore a specific topic about living the Navy lifestyle, introduce great resources, feature a Navy spouse who's rocking our world, or dive into the heart of our Navy traditions. Whether you are just starting out on your Navy journey, at the halfway point, or approaching the end, we know one thing is certain. We We are are better better together. together. Okay, well, welcome to our Navy life, Michelle. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for having me today, Allie. I'm so excited. Great. So before we uh, kick it off, let's do just some get to know you questions so our listeners can know who we're chatting with today. Um, If you could introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us how did you meet your spouse and how long have you been a Navy spouse? Who makes up your family and where do you guys currently, uh, where are you currently stationed? Oh my goodness. That's a lot of, that's I a know. lot of details, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so excited to share. Um, so yes, proud Navy spouse here for, um, over 27 years. Oh my gosh. That's um, amazing. It is. It has flown by. I can't believe that, you know, he's getting very close to the 30 year mark. So I don't know where it, it it's just been a wonderful, you know, experience and adventure, you know, lived all over the world. But um, so yeah, Michelle Norman and uh, me and Cass and our two beautiful kids live here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We've actually lived here for about nine years. And I kind of feel embarrassed to even say that we actually have some roots here. In- oh, awesome. <laughs> you know, how, how often does that happen? Right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, but we've been here since 2014. Now I will say that a caveat, you know, is my husband has geo batched quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, you know, when he did the nuclear pipeline, he went to, um, South Carolina and New York and DC. And then he had a command tour, um, in Gaeta, Italy, um, oh, with the beautiful. USS Mount Whitney. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess, you know, we all have to make, um, sacrifices. That's one of the things we'll talk about today. Yep. But, you know, with geo batching, sometimes you just have to do that, um, yep. in order for them to kind of continue on, um, mm-hmm. with in their career. So of course it makes for some pretty epic um family <laughs> trips. Yeah. And we yeah. finally do get to to come together. But I would say we we've geo for about three of those years. And so um but yeah I have a daughter 
She's 19 years old. Her name's Marissa. She is really the inspiration behind Partners in Promise, which is our nonprofit. Um, she was born very early, more compared to a lot of other people, um, a lot of other babies in this world at 27 weeks and two pounds oh and gosh. three ounces. And so that was, you know, our introduction to, to being parents. And uh, all of a sudden from you know, having a full-time job and moving and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to continue my engineering career. And then all of a sudden your, your, your life has changed and I became a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a fantastic, uh, very energetic 13-year-old son who keeps things very spicy in this world. <laughs> and so between the two, it keeps us very, very busy. But um, yeah, we're very excited we love this um, Navy life. You know, before kids, Cass and I, we lived in Kingsville and Lemoore, California, all these great Navy places, right? At Suki, mm-hmm. Japan and Pax River, Maryland for test pilot school. And then we went to one of those um, secret places, Point Magoo, California, which I absolutely love. <laughs> so much to do in California and, you know, just being north of Malibu. We had such a fun time there. Um, and then we moved here to Virginia Beach where my daughter was born. Um, let's see. We went to Newport, Rhode Island and came back, went to Pentagon and came back. And then he pretty much did the geo batch thing. So when my daughter was born, we, we had a lot of, you know, medical issues surrounding mm-hmm. her birth. And so that really had changed the trajectory of what we could do as a Navy family. And then also just, you know, my my purpose in life kind of changed. And so we'll talk more about that today. But, um, yeah. you know, I just feel very blessed, blessed to be in this wonderful Navy community for so long, blessed to have fantastic organizations like Naval Services Family Line to be there right beside us, you know, as we've gone through this journey. And, um, you know, just again, it has been, you know, an honor to to be serving alongside all of our military families um, in the Navy. Awesome. Well, that is a wonderful transition to kind of our first question where you talked about Marissa's early birth and a lot of the medical complexities um, that came along with it, because we're going to chat a lot about um, the Exceptional Family Member Program and your journey through that. And then um, what led you to ultimately launching Partners in Promise, which I'm very excited to talk more um, about, too. Um, so but if you could walk us through the journey that you guys navigated with Marissa's birth and then through the Exceptional Family Member Program, um, so that our listeners can hear a little bit more about your personal story. You can just do the highlights. You don't need to go (laughs) do that. Do that. You know, so much. Yeah. I'm sure it's a very long story, but, um, but yeah, if you could just kind of give us the overview. I will. I will. Thank you for that, that intro. So let's maybe talk about what is the exceptional family member program. So expand, you know, that's exactly what the acronym is, exceptional family member program. And Mm -hmm. I will be completely honest. I knew nothing about Mm -hmm. this program before my daughter was born. You know, and I suspect a lot of our families out there in the Navy have, there's just no reason for them to really know that this program exists. Because it's for, you know, dependents, I guess, you know, I hate to say the word dependents, but that's really what we are, right? Right, absolutely. Um, that have, you know, very unique, extensive medical or educational needs. And mm-hmm. so it is a mandatory program. So once, you know, someone has been identified through, you know, their civilian or military provider um, that they have an issue that is chronic, that's, that's more than six months, because you know, mm-hmm. certainly someone can break their arm and, you know, they may temporarily have a disability. But this is for those who have a long term, mm-hmm. um, you know, disability that may or may not require therapies or medication or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my daughter was born very early, you know, a lot of things happened within that first week. She had a brain bleed on the left side of her brain, which oh we will palsy and 
many, many different diagnoses, um, but mm-hmm. she's a fighter, you know, and, and it's, it's been wonderful to see, you know, how she's progressed and yeah. grown through all these years with the love and support and lots of, you know, wonderful people in our village to help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't know anything about it. So we're in the NICU here at CHKD in Norfolk, um, Virginia. So that's where she was born. Mm-hmm. She went straight over to the CHKD NICU and she spent her first eight months of her life in the hospital. And I know that's Hard for people to oh understand, but you can imagine how hard that was for me. Oh, you know, yeah. My husband's, you know, in the middle of workups, getting ready to go on deployment, and I'm driving every day to a hospital to spend time with my daughter pretty much all day yeah. until they kick me out. And uh, I have to go home and, and do the same thing over and over. But that's what you do. You know, that right. was my new job. She was my first child. So we didn't have any other children at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a rocky road. There were many times um, we didn't know she was going to make it. Um, very oh uh, critical life or death situations. Yeah. Um, she was having a hard time breathing. And so eventually she had to get a trach. And so anyone who's familiar with a trach, that's not something that... Uh, mm-hmm. Not anyone could just step in and go, Oh, I know how to operate or help someone out that, you know, needs sectioning or needs a trach that's needs yeah. to be replaced. And so, <clears throat> you know, I became all of a sudden this like de facto nurse, you know, trying to do yeah. as much as I could, you know, to ensure that she was doing well. And eventually we were able to get her out of that hospital and get care at um, Cincinnati Children's Hospital because we knew that they had the experts, um, mm-hmm. the world renowned experts in ENT. So while I was in the NICU, you know, we had wonderful military spouse community that would do the meal train. They were bringing me meals, bringing my husband's meal when he was around, taking care of the house. It's just, you know, I just love our military spouse. They know how to step up when it's a critical, critical situation. And they also would come and stick with me. You know, there wasn't much that I needed from them, but I needed somebody there sometimes just to talk to, to cry, to unload. Um, and so we would have like regular visitors coming and just, you know, giving me support. And I'll never forget a, um, a senior leadership spouse came and sat with me one time. She was just amazing. I'll never forget her, Roberta. She's like, you know, you, you really need to look into the EFMP program. And of course I'm like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is this program? Right. And uh, she's like, you need to get in it. You need to get it in now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it was obvious at that point that my daughter was going to have, um, complex medical issues. Mm-hmm. And so to be honest, for me, the process was super easy. And I know that's not for everybody else, but this mm-hmm. was back in 2003. And the fact that I had all of these specialists in one location, it was right. very simple to get that paperwork done because that's really part of that 2791, 2792, I think, um, form is that it is just, you know, all the specialists saying, this is what, you know, the diagnosis is, this is what they need as far as therapy. Um, and so it was a very easy process for us to get her enrolled. I didn't know what this program did, right. you know, um, for a long time, to be honest. I knew I had every three years I had to fill it out, but you know, it was me on my own kind of figuring out who she needed to see as a specialist and get her therapies aligned, you know, it did what it needed to do, mm-hmm. but I had no idea really what the program was there for. So she's been in it, you know, actually for 19 years since the day she was born and she was kicked out. So at age 19, you're done. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, so I, I really have seen like the, the progress of how this um, program has evolved over, you know, time for her I can imagine, and my yeah. son's also in it, but he's in it for different medical reasons. Um, mm-hmm. So I still have my my eyes and ears of what the, the program has. Yeah. So I know I kind of went around a little bit about what the EFMP program is, but it's just, you know, it is there to support our families mm-hmm. because you do not want to be PCSing to a location that's not have the proper support and services in place. You could be going to 
you know, some very remote location. And if your child needs a, let's say a pediatric neurologist, that's not, you know, anywhere within two hours, that's really not a place that you want to be going. Um, And that's what the EFA program says to really do is assignment coordination, making sure these families are going to places that can meet the needs of their children. And I know that there's a stigma associated with it. Like, oh, I'm not going to be able to go to Europe and we can't go to the Korea or Japan because Mm -hmm. of X, Y, Z. And I always remind people, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices, but isn't the well-being of your child the most important thing? Right. And so it's, it is a balance, right? There are times you may want to stay home and, and, and geo batch mm-hmm. so your spouse can do what he needs to do and you can go visit. But, you know, it's really not fair to ask um, more of a service branch to offer things that are just not there because right. it is hard. It is right. hard to find these specialists. It's hard to find these therapists. Um, we're seeing that shortage across the United States. So, you know, it is a great, great program. And there's other parts of the program that I absolutely love, like the mm-hmm. respite care program that saved us so many times in our mental health, you know, that the Navy has done it right. They have really invested in a lot of great things in this program that maybe some of the other service branches don't do. I'm just really proud of, you know, all the great things that they've done, especially with um, special education. I think they they really did take the lead um, in helping those families out. That's awesome to hear. Now, as you and it's great that you kind of have such uh, an expansive time with the program because you've gone throughout Marissa's entire life cycle so far. And then you've seen how far the program has come over the last 19 years. What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have overcome or what are some of the biggest things that have surprised you? <laughs> Both good and bad, I guess, yeah, or, or right. you know, good experiences <laughs> and maybe not so great experiences that our listeners might either identify with or, um, or might anticipate. So I will say this straight up, you know, I think most military spouses in general, we're really resourceful. Like mm-hmm. we know how to get things done. We seek each other in our community um, when we need help, when we're looking for a house to live, you know, we get on Facebook, we need recommendations for schools or doctors. We got it together, but I will say EFMP families right. have to put that resourcefulness like an overdrive, you know, yeah. the amount of time and attention that it takes to coordinate all of those medical and educational concerns is really a full-time job. So now you're becoming that caretaker, right. that caregiver. And the um, advocate and so, too, I can imagine too. To be an, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you were not organized before, you're going to be very organized <laughs> now. You know, that's really one of our mantras, like document, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. promise. But, um, you know, I think the challenge is just for me, I was very naive at the very beginning. Um, you know, we didn't have any major issues. Of mm-hmm. course, again, very resourceful. I found where all the specialists were every single time we moved. Um, I remember there was a little pushback to go to Newport, Rhode Island, um, for war college because, um, I don't, you know, it wasn't a cat four five location. And I had to do my own research and say, well, actually, Boston Children's yeah. is like an amazing children's hospital. It's only an hour and mm-hmm. 30 minutes away. And so we had to write a letter saying, hey, to you right. know, the bupers or purrs or whatever, just like, hey, we know, you know, that this may be out of this, out of the hour, you know, time frame that you say we need to, but we know that this is where she's going to get great care to turn out to be one of our best, mm-hmm. best locations to go to. So, you know, that's one of the things I would say is that if there is a location that you've done your research, you know, there's a therapist or you know that they have what you need, write a letter, you know, to the detailer or whatever and say, hey, we recognize 
you know, that this may be a little bit out of the way, but we're willing to take those, the extra time to make sure that our child can get, you know, the care that they need. So people don't do that very often, but I, I always recommend it because um, we do the better research. I would not ever rely mm-hmm. on try to yeah, yeah, directly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. So find the right people and make sure that uh, you advocate, advocate, advocate on behalf of your child. For me, um, I wasn't naive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We PCS all the time and you know, everyone was doing the job that I thought, but you know, I think this last PCS for me was a little different. It just mm-hmm. felt different to me. And I knew in my gut that the problems that my daughter was having at her school, it was something that, you know, moms get, right? And um, I'll be honest, you know, the, the, the beginning of it, I didn't want to, you know, like, oh, it's going to be okay, Marissa. And she was complaining about a lot of different things about not being able to learn, mm-hmm. not having time to go to the restroom, not getting help, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I was trying to like, you know, make sure it's like, oh, you know, we're new here. And, um, yeah. but it, it became serious. It became, and I think that's when for me, my concerns were kind of being dismissed at the very beginning. Um, and I, again, I'm naive. I didn't really know special mm-hmm. education law in and out. I can um, imagine. It's very yeah. complex. You know, it's a federal law. And, you know, you don't see a lot right. of attorneys in special education just because it is so niched and so complicated. There's like nobody here in the Hampton Roads that's really a special education attorney. You have yeah. to go up to like Northern Virginia. And so I quickly had to start learning, you know, by the seat of my pants. And I think the hardest part for me was mm. that I just I felt very alone. I would talk to my friends. They didn't know anything about special education law. I kind of felt embarrassed even bring it up because everyone's like, oh my gosh, the school right. district is so amazing. I, yeah. My kid's doing so great. I'm like, but I'm having problems. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that was, um, yeah. that was hard for me because I don't want to be that person. You were really struggling. I didn't want to be the crazy one. And so, um, you know, cats, of course, yeah, is away course. during the whole time. I saw <laughs> some serious regression. Of course, you know, it's just, but it is. And I saw some serious regression in my mm-hmm. daughter and I, I just needed help. And um, there was mm-hmm. no one, there was really no one um, to help. You know, I went to the school liaison officer. They weren't any help. The FMP office was of no help. There was no information that anyone could give me. I'm like scrapping on the internet and Googling as much as I can. But, you know, it got to the point where we had to say, okay, we're going to dig deep. We're going to put, you know, whatever money we have left over from this month and we need to get an advocate because I could not Mm -hmm. do it alone, you know, and um, we needed a paid professional to support us, you know, in our individualized education program meetings, which are called IEP meetings. Um, for kids in special education. And that's what we needed to to ensure that my daughter was receiving appropriate mm-hmm. education by law. Um, and I will tell you, once we got that paid advocate, she looked at the documents and said, oh my goodness. <laughs> She's like, uh, pretty frankly here, oh, your daughter's wow. rights are being violated left and right. And um, it was shocking to hear that initially because I was trying mm-hmm. to work with the school mm-hmm. for like six months at this point. But right. I knew it, you know, it's a gut thing. You know, we have a whole series in our new, on our nonprofit called Trust Your Gut Series. Um, and I recommend people who are just on the yeah. verge of a new diagnosis or just kind of getting um, their feet wet in special education to really take a look at that series. And, you know, of course, I did have a couple of close friends to confide with at the time, but, you know, largely we were, you know, juggling this all alone and through mm-hmm. a tough TDY at the time. Um, I do want to say one quick thing. Um, huge shout out to uh... our Navy chaplains. Because uh, yeah, they are amazing, amazing resource. Yeah. I wanted to say the positive, right? They, when we were really stressed and I was in a really, really bad place, Cass was deployed um, in the Persian Gulf and uh, he called a chaplain oh. from the base 
come check on me. I am so thankful he did because, you yeah. know, it was a really dark time for me. And I remember, you know, meeting him a couple of times, one time at the <laughs> Starbucks. I know it sounds crazy. And I didn't need him to like yeah. anything really. I just need someone to listen, you know, and to kind of keep me, mm-hmm. um, you know, focused. You know, for me, faith is important as well. And I know like some people always want to try and solve all the problems. But I really didn't need him that there for that. I just needed someone to make sure that right. I was not a crazy person and that I just needed someone to support me. So please, 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 any Navy spouse out there yeah. that just needs somebody to listen to you or to, you know, do a check, you know, on your mental health. I'm a big big fan of mental health checkups. Um, Don't forget our Navy chaplains because they are just an incredible, compassionate, empathetic um, resource that all of us need to really tap into more often. Big fan, you know, they really helped me out um, from the very, very beginning. And so, especially, um, you know, good on your husband for for calling (laughs) that in while he was away. Because, you know, how often do we find ourselves navigating something so tremendously challenging, and our our spouse is gone, either at training or deployment, or just you know not available to provide that emotional support that you need as you get through something. So. That's that's awesome that that he advocated for you, even yeah. though he was nowhere close, or he could be that person for you. <laughs> nowhere. Um, yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And um, yeah, I think that uh, I know that they are, mm-hmm. you know, very busy nowadays with just the challenges of military life and the stresses on a lot of you know folks, um, yep. young sailors, right? That that are in shipyards and, and having just incredible, mm-hmm. you know, difficult tours. And so, but I always remind right. the families that they're there for them too. And uh, yeah, so he was, he was good on that. I think I, I got him a little worried oh. there. For a yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. It all yeah. ended up. Really well, you well. talk a little bit um, <laughs> earlier when you talked about your geo batch, um, that your, your spouse took some geo batch tours and some other sacrifices that you guys made. I think one of the challenges that people think of when they think of EFMP is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the impact on the sailor's career or the hindrances that it has. Can you talk a little bit about how we can, you know, work to, eliminate the stigma that comes with it so that our sailors and our families can be successful in getting the resources they need, but also making really great career choices too. That's a, that's, you hit it on the button there as far as the stigma associated with it. I think people like me, people that are senior leaders who have been in the EFMP program Mm -hmm. need to talk about how their careers continued on. And what I'll notice is that sometimes I'm talking to somebody, you know, at the Pentagon or, um, you know, at a great event in DC and they're like, oh yeah, we were an EFMP family. I'm like, oh my goodness, right? <laughs> this would have been so good information for other families yeah. to see it can be done right. And so the program is there to support, not to be a hindrance, not to be a barrier for them to have career progression. And I, of course, have to caveat by saying you mm-hmm. will make sacrifices. There will be maybe an op- a time or two where you may have to do a geo batch, but you know, my husband's, you know, fortunately had a very good career. He is, um, you know, an aviator and he went all the way through command, got selected mm-hmm. for the new power pipeline. You know, it was a big XO um, of a carrier. He was a CO of a, a deep draft. And he also just finished a CO tour of a carrier. Mm, congratulations. So, <laughs> big, thank I, you. Yeah. It's been a lot. It's yeah. been a lot. So it can happen, right? I mean, it can can happen. Um, you know, but you know, did we go to Italy? No, we didn't. But did I have some yeah. fantastic trips there with the kids? <laughs> I did until COVID. 
And right. then, of course, we weren't able to do our around Europe, you know, two week trip that we wanted to. But um, we'll, we'll, that's still on my uh, <laughs> top 10 list that we have to go back and do that. But, you know, being upfront with a detailer mm-hmm. as well is very important. And, and, you know, I think that just having a good communication, a good rapport with that detailer, hey, this is what you know, we want to do, and, you know, there are some people who maybe don't want to move a lot, perhaps know what that yeah. implication might be um, for that family. So just kind of having that conversation with your family, like what, yeah. you know, is our end goal here? You know, is it to really just stay at home, have more family time, you know, then maybe we should seek different, you know, career paths. You know, there's great things about the nuclear, nuclear power training track, um, even mm-hmm. though it's a lot of hard work it's very predictable. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what's going to happen. And you know that they're going to be somewhere for six months and they're going to be somewhere for three months. And some people like that predictability versus just right, like, I don't right. know what I'm going <laughs> in two to three years. <laughs> so yeah, positives and there's negatives. But I would say that, you know, I, as we have gone up in this career that I have found that there's many more folks who've been a part of the right. EFFD program. They just don't talk about it. So reducing that stigma saying, hey, we are a part of that program. I'm not ashamed to say that we've had it, you know, for X amount of years mm-hmm. and we've been able to succeed, you know, and continue to serve this great country no matter what. And I know that there's things that DOD is doing to improve yeah. the program. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, that was one of the things I got involved with. You know, like I said, when I first had my issues, mm-hmm. um, there were no resources. And so, you know, I just kept advocating at the local level with the school board and with local legislators. Um, you know, I was fortunate to receive a title at the time for my advocating um, through the AFI Navy Spouse of the mm-hmm. Year. And that really kind of accelerated um, my advocacy and the momentum to kind of put a spotlight on the EFMP program. And so I was able to kind of spend some time in DC and and really Mm -hmm. find some champions for this program. There's a lot of great legislators out there that want to help military families, but sometimes they kind of need to know what it is they need to do. (laughs) And so, you know, they need like very specific like information, like what exactly can I help with? You know, I was fortunate to be invited to talk, you know, at a congressional caucus about the EFMP program and our story, you know, Mm -hmm. which I really haven't gone into as much but you know we ended up having to go into a legal battle for like six years where we had to sue the school district we won and then they appealed to the federal court and we won again and then they stopped paying for the you know hearing officer decision completely and turned around and And so (laughs) we went to court again and we won again and so they didn't appeal the second time so that was great but you know it's it's no other military family could do what we did, but we believed it was the right thing to do. And I always thought to myself, yeah. how can an enlisted family yeah. have fought this fight like we did? It took hundreds of thousands of dollars to fight this fight. Um, not to mention on your the family, right. us, my daughter, yeah. on our family. Um, but it wasn't right. And I knew that, you know, we were fortunate to get those resources that other families couldn't. I wanted to change that. I wanted no yeah. other family to go through what we did. And so that really was part of my my advocacy is like, right. how can we make this better for families who are having education problems? We move. We move all the mm-hmm. time. And that is part of the problem. Like when they made this federal law, they weren't really thinking about military families. You know, most civilian folks are not moving around as much as we do every two to three years. And this law is different. It's It's implemented differently per state and even within the school districts within that state. It's just heavily complex, but they're Right. right, you know, for kids to get special education. And so when schools know that you're moving every two to three years, 
perhaps there's not the fidelity, you know, in some places to give those services, knowing that you're not right. going to be their problem for very long. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. where we're like, you know, we need to change this. We need to make this easier for families. We need to figure out how to make changes from the top down um, so that they can, you know, access an education mm-hmm. just like their civilian counterparts. And so that really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that was going right to be there. kind of how I wanted to segue into talking about partners in promise. And so, you know, you talk a lot about the advocacy and not wanting other military families to go through what you guys went through, um, especially our junior families and our junior enlisted families. What, um, if, if our listeners are thinking that they are on the precipice of a diagnosis and embarking on this EFMP journey, or just, you know, for the betterment of awareness and so that we're all better informed so that we can help spouses and families that we come across um, in our Navy communities, what what advice would you have for them um, as they are starting out now, um, you know, at both wearing your hats as an EFMP family, but also yeah. as, um, you know, as the executive director of Partners in Promise. <laughs> mm, there's so many tidbits yeah. I can think about, right? You know, I think that um, when you're starting on this mm-hmm. journey, you just don't know what you don't know. And I say that phrase a lot because it's so true. You're researching. You're researching everything at that very moment once you find out that diagnosis. And mm-hmm. That's really key, you know, at the very, very beginning to really understand, let's say your child has ADHD. You may not know much about ADHD. You may not know about how that impacts their education. You may not know about the medication. And let me tell you, for those who do have kids with ADHD, because I know this personally, you know, you just don't throw meds to these kids. It's a very complicated process and it's heartbreaking because you're seeing your child change right before your eyes. And mm-hmm. some of these meds are just not going to work. And some of them do work. And sometimes it's not the right amount. And sometimes right. it is the right amount. Or maybe, it's, you know, too much of it. I think that, you know, for those who have neurotypical kids and see a, a somebody next to them who's going through this, please yeah. give them support and just listen. Because it is a very hard road. And you got to yeah. find your tribe like ASAP. Like whether it's the, the Facebook group of folks who have kids with complex mm-hmm. needs or ADHD or whatever. It could be the Chad group, which is, you know, specifically for kids with and adults with ADHD. I mean, you got to find the people that you can connect with, you know, as soon as possible. I would say, you know, of course, yeah. lean on the professionals, but it's really hard to get in with the professional and they're not really the mm-hmm. parents per se. You know, you really need to get, you know, just that support from others who've been there and done that. That's really important. And of course, document, document, document everything, particularly when it comes to your education of your child. You know, as soon as you get that diagnosis, guess what? You know, they may not know. Well, I should say this. Schools don't Mm -hmm. always recognize the diagnosis. In fact, in our last research that we did for Partners in Promise, our survey this past fall, we asked our families, you know, hey, does your child have a medical diagnosis? And then what's the percentage of them of the schools recognizing the educational impact And it was only 63%. And so what does that mean? That means that there are children who are struggling um, with a medical diagnosis, but they're not maybe getting that support in the school. And I think more of like your invisible disabilities, for instance, maybe dyslexia, Mm -hmm. maybe ADHD, maybe mental health, you know, the school may think, well, hey, their grades are great. Maybe they don't understand that when they get home, they have a total meltdown because they're just holding it together as best they could at school. And so, you know, you really have to speak up I would say not be necessarily like the complainer, but maybe the squeaky mm-hmm. wheel that's backed with data. You know, here's the data of how my kid is at home. Here's the data of like how they're performing in the test. And, you know, when they take a test, maybe in a busy room versus a not busy room, you know, data, data, data drives everything. And so 
to be a good advocate, you really have to do your research and um, be able to do everything you can to communicate well with those who are mm-hmm. decision making positions so that you can make the change that you want, whether it's within your child, with it's locally, with it, you know, a school district or with, you know, all the way from Congress top down, you know, people mm-hmm. want to see the data. And that was one thing that we noticed, you know, so I kind of talked about my story about working with different leaders. I developed relationships, you know, with folks who felt that I was a subject matter expert. And so in 2020, when they were looking for military spouse um, people to testify mm-hmm. about the EFMP program in front of the House Armed Services Committee, I was one of the two. That's incredible. And so, <laughs> yeah, all, I mean, it's incredible. And I will tell you, it was, um, most exciting, yeah, sure. <laughs> maybe a little terrifying, you know, to, to, to do something about monuments. Yeah. It just, it, yeah. was, it was awesome. The impact, you know, never would have seen that on the yeah. spam, you know, ever talking, but it was, mm-hmm. it was that moment to kind of shine a light on special education. There's always, for the past decade, I think the FMP program was right. at the medical side. But no one was really looking at the education piece. The, you know, I think the thought was like, everything's going to be great with education. All the kids are going to go to public mm-hmm. school. Everything's going to be fine. But no one really had those stories talk about that. So mm-hmm. even though mine's pretty extreme, it really did highlight the fact that there were no resources. And the EFMP program says for education and medical needs. Right. And what are you doing for the education piece? That's where I came in. Like, look, uh, you know, I can tell you my story. What would have helped me out? You know, I need, uh, here are my solutions. You know, we, we crafted some initiatives through the Promise Act, which is Promise kind of stands for protecting the rights of military children in special education. And we outlined some initiatives that would help. And one of them is, mm-hmm. hey, give them legal assistance. These families don't know what they don't know. But, you know, having someone of authority who kind of knows what they're talking about the law mm-hmm. is really what help our families. And based on that testimony, a lot of the initiatives that we advocated for, like special education assistance for families, um, made it into the NDAA. Um, in fact, 50% of our initiatives made it. So, you know, that's the type of, um, you know, advocacy yeah. that we were hoping to see is just that, that top down policy change. Yes, we can help one family here, one family there, but we really wanted to look at the, the big picture of like, how can we help mm-hmm. the most families? Um, because this military life adventure, we're going to be moving all the time. And so I want to make sure that their child, you know, has the same opportunities mm-hmm. um, as other children, you know, to be able to get a diploma, to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. apply for a job. These are all things yeah. with the education that you can do, you know, and want them to be independent, productive members of society. So that really is our long-term goal yeah. for our And so for kids. our listeners, if they are experiencing challenges or they just don't know how to communicate with you know, the school system or the providers that they have available to them, can they come to Partners in Promise for support and for help? Like, can we, can you explain a little bit about how, how you guys um, work to support our families on the personal level too? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one great thing is that we are run by fantastic passionate military spouses, just like Naval Services Paling Line. We are all volunteer. We all are spouses who are caregivers to kids with special needs. And so we are here to help get them awesome. on their way, to help them navigate their way through. Because here's mm-hmm. the thing, there are resources out there, but a lot yeah. of times they don't know that they exist. And so we can help with that, you know, give them basic advice and move on. Um, but then we also do our surveys every year, or every other year, so that we can also inform leaders in DOD and Congress um, how to tackle some of these long-term challenges um, to put things in place like the attorneys or 
standardization of EFMP across all the service branches. Um, so that's important too. Um, the other thing we do is programming. We actually, you know, have great resources ourselves, not just through our website. Oh, awesome. We have a podcast and we're also developing a IEP oh, awesome. and EFMP <clears throat> binder um, that can live with our families mm-hmm. every time mm-hmm. they PCS. And so there's a lot of fantastic um, ways that we can help. Um, I think that just, you know, even though we don't have like a Facebook group that kind of, you know, um, mm-hmm. talks about the day to day things. You know, we want to inform them of the, the larger picture um, of here are your rights of your child. Here's how we can protect those rights of them mm-hmm. in, in special education. And, you know, please continue to share your stories. We love to share our stories of our families, mm-hmm. just like you guys do the podcast. Um, that helps yeah. elevate it and brings that awareness. You know, I think at the very beginning of our advocating, you know, people didn't really know about special ed. So we, part of that it was getting the, the awareness, like, here are the families, here are the issues. And we know it's a problem because when I was testifying, so many EFMP families showed up. They had to open oh, up an overflow room. How in incredible. So that, you know, yep. it was incredible. Show and it was electrifying. Absolutely. So you know they're out there. Yeah. They're just so overburdened and stressed yeah. they could not that's, that's awesome so together, together we're stronger, stronger. that's really um, the motto there <laughs> i i love that and i just i um, yeah, we are. i think what you guys are doing to support our families because we see it here in japan you know if if people get a diagnosis or or they experience things that they can't get services for here you know either the struggle to continue to live here without services or the expedition of getting them back to the states so you know the so they can get the services, the stress that it places on the families is just so much. And in order, what you guys are doing to help alleviate that stress is fantastic. And just so wonderful that we have resources like you in the community to share your story and partners in promise to advocate and support and help our families. You talk a lot about, you know, just raising uh, awareness and, and information uh, just so that whether you're on a journey to in the EFMP program or process, or you think you're going to be, are there other ways to get involved? You talk about volunteers with partners and promise or other ways to either just get more informed so that we can help support our families or to get involved in advocating for them. Those are all great. And I think anyone can be an advocate. You know, I think, um, mm-hmm. Checking on your friends who have kids with special needs is super important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it can be a very isolating journey um, when you have a child that requires special attention. Um, I can think about, you know, a handful of mm-hmm. squadron parties we would go to and all the kids were running around and I would be inside the house with my daughter with a trach. And, you know, I was excited yeah. that, you know, she was two and a half and she finally rolled over. Like it just my... Yeah. The milestones we celebrate are different sometimes than what everyone else. And, and, you know, it, right. It's not like anyone means ill will. It's just that they don't understand. And so maybe just taking that extra effort to, to understand and to help them, you know, when they are strategizing about how they may be able to advocate for their kid, you know, to say, well, hey, if that's, if you need mm-hmm. to go to IEP meeting, maybe mm-hmm. I can take care of this, your other child, you know, or whatever it might be. It's hard, I would tell you this, because as military families, a lot of times, Mm. some of the change that can happen can be at the local level, our school districts, um, and getting to know your Mm. school board. The problem is is that many of us are not residents of where we live. And when it comes right down Mm. to it, um, are you voting? for that person. And so you will see varying amounts of concern based gotcha. on where you live yep. and how much skin is the game. You know, does that make sense? And so 
that's why our survey has become so important for our organization because we are finally able to get, you know, many people to respond about these issues and right. come up with great recommendations that would have a greater impact on everybody in, a, in a, to be able to go into those offices and say, Hey, you know, you are the third largest state of military families mm-hmm. and you also happen to be, you know, a place where there's a heavy right. presence. Let me tell you about some of these things we're finding in our research and here's some recommendations. And so get involved as you can at the local level, but right. recognize that you may have to go up the yeah. chain a little bit to get the results that you want. And I always say, look around. Is there someone else yeah. advocating for what you want? You know, it's always easier if there's already a larger organization doing the exact same work, you know, and we did that. We <laughs> right, right. I sat, of course it was COVID. So that helped a little bit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, I was able to sit back and, and observe the space and mm-hmm. see who was doing the work that I knew needed to be done. And I didn't see any research as well. No one had really mm-hmm. surveyed our right. our population, our very unique population. And so that really was, you know, the 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 reason why we took the next step to be you know, an official nonprofit because we wanted that data informed solutions. We wanted to not be the complainer, mm-hmm. but, you know, someone who came to the table with the data to support it. And so that's when we decided to become an official organization. So was it hard? Yes. And so <laughs> yeah. if there's someone else doing the work, combine yeah. forces and do it together because it's not easy, you know, to, to sustain mm-hmm. um, the work that we're doing, but it's so worth it. And um, again, it's just the greatest honor, you know, for me to to work alongside these amazing, you know, mill spouses or researchers and advocates and attorneys and journalists yeah. and um, former teachers and EFMP professionals. They're just amazing people who all are very passionate to, to make a difference. Uh, well, Michelle, this has just been tremendous. I hope that our listeners can identify and resonate with your story and your experiences. And then also just feel for those who are navigating the web of the EFMP process can now go to Partners in Promise to find the help, to find the support, to just know where to look. Like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And how much of that is just like the everything of military life. You don't know what you don't know until you have to like go down that road. Um, but for our listeners, if they want to learn more about Partners in Promise, or they want to get connected, where should we, where should they go? Great. So come visit our updated website at the promiseact.org where you will find, um, customized resources. Depending on where you are, um, in this life, you know, are you newly diagnosed special education family? Are you someone who's been in for a while? Are you prepared or are you transitioning out? You now, sometimes you forget of those who, you know, have children like my daughter who are, you know, graduating mm-hmm. and, and having to navigate, you know, how to, right. how do we empower them, you know, in the workplace or in, in college mm-hmm. or vocational school, wherever they decide to do. So, um, mm-hmm. it's a really fantastic website and we have lots of, of tips and tricks and resources. And of course, our binders coming this fall. Um, so for those who are still in the journey, um, you know, check it out. We, we're going to be doing some trainings in various locations around the U.S. Um, and also in Hawaii, you know, um, Oconas, I guess you could say. So that's really exciting for us. That's exciting. Um, yeah. To be able to, to give, you know, just one more tool to our families so mm-hmm. that they can do this, you know, by themselves. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll continue to advocate, you know, on the policy end to see if there's we're waiting on that standardization plan to see what um, might be in it for special ed. Um, the DOD hasn't released it yet. It was supposed to be released this spring, 
and we're in June. And so I'm fingers crossed right. we'll be seeing something yep. soon. <laughs> but that's going to probably, you know, give us some good direction of what we need to do next to, to support these these families in the EFMP program. Awesome. Well, we will definitely include that in the show notes. And I know you sent over uh, a variety of uh, links and whatnot yes. that we'll also be including in our show notes for our listeners who want to learn more or either for themselves or just to get better educated on how we can support other Navy families. Because that's, I mean, we're all that's Navy it. families. Our our journeys might be a little bit different. And um, I'm just so grateful to be able to have this conversation with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to to leave our listeners with before we we say goodbye? Absolutely. Um, I think that you said at the very beginning of the podcast is that we need to support each other. Um, and the importance of, you know, connections right now is, is, is at the utmost priority. You know, I think as we've come out of COVID, um, we've saw, mm, you know, the issues on all of our kids, but particularly those, mm-hmm. you know, that had right. special education, you know, services. And so now is the time to really reach out ask how people are doing, how can you help, even if it's limited, just lending an ear. Um, and then of mm-hmm. course, as organizations go, you know, support other Navy spouse organizations. Um, we're doing great work and um, it really is, you know, something that we do because we want to help. And so I have, again, it just, it's an honor to be talking with you guys. Um, I've always, always have admired the leadership um, of your organization. And I'm just thrilled to continue to partner and, you know, do whatever we can to support our Navy families through this adventure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. We appreciate you sharing your journey and talking about Partners in Promise and how you guys help other families navigate this Navy life. To our listeners, we hope you'll come back for more. Be sure to find us on social media to keep the conversation going and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We will see you next time. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you. That concludes today's discussion. Thanks so much for joining us. To find more resources and ways to connect with your Navy community, visit our website at www.nsfamilyline.org. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. You can find the links in the show notes. For more episodes to help you navigate your journey through Navy life, be sure to subscribe, leave us a comment, and we will see you next time.